from MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Welcome to the Revolution, the Tennis Revolution Podcast, the Lonely Tennis Revolution Podcast. Corey has turned the tables. He's got me in here by myself. He wants to make me suffer. He's a little, little bit under the weather, so it's uh, Coach Solo. Uh, so I'm going to try to not sound like an idiot talking to myself for an hour. We'll see how that goes. I sound like an idiot when I'm with him talking, so should probably be worse. So your fair warning. Um, let's go ahead and start out with just reminding you to follow us on Twitter. I heard somebody suggest on some other podcast that you should get all that stuff done in the first part of your show, um, while people are still excited before you, uh, mess it all up. So tennis rev pod, tennis R E V pod on Twitter. Uh, you'll get a little action on Twitter. I'll, uh, I'll throw out the odd roasting of Prince Tennis uh, on a tweet from time to time. I actually roasted BG Tennis Nation today, although I'm sure he doesn't care, uh, or probably didn't even see it, as a matter of fact. Um, He threw, via Twitter, among other places, I'm sure, he threw his name into the hat, uh, into the ring, his hat into the ring, something. He threw something somewhere, but he's going to be putting... uh, Putting his money where his mouth is, he's running for uh, the ATP uh, board. So after all the allegations of one Gimmelstab, uh, that animal uh, came out, and uh, his guilty plea or no contest plea uh, came out. A lot of people um, just figured, hey, there's no chance. There's no chance he can run. Um, and up until this week, he was going to run unopposed. So now that's not the case. Tim Mayotte, you remember Tim Mayotte? And uh, and then BG Tennis Nation are going to be uh, at least two other people uh, making themselves available uh, for the ATP board. So BG Tennis Nation uh, tweeted that as well. And I just replied, hey, please don't use nicknames in the boardroom. Um, it m- Maybe... My most popular tweet of all time on tennis rev, uh, tennis rev at tennis rev pod, um, a lot of likes, and uh, and hopefully he doesn't use any nicknames, or if he does, I want to hear about it because it's going to be awful. So that's some big news g- coming out with the uh, the court case being decided with Gimmelstab. I guess he got probation, and. Uh, and I guess uh, promised never to do it again. And apparently he was supposed to not publicly um, declare his innocence or something of that nature. Uh, I don't know what the legal term for that is because I'm an idiot. But um, So I, I guess he's got to sort of just keep his mouth shut as far as it was no contest, um, which means he's not contesting the charge, but he's not saying guilty or not guilty. Um so, but anyway, I'm no legal scholar, and furthermore, I didn't do any legal research. So, uh, this is all Twitter information. So, but uh, but yeah, but it sounds like uh, he is uh, certainly 
um, no longer uh, wanted uh, on the ATP board. As a matter of fact, one of his supporters, uh, Pospisil, originally said, hey, we'd love to have him for another term because I'm sure he's great at you know squeezing these tournaments for more prize money and all that kind of stuff. Uh, subsequently, Pospisil said, hey, uh, let's look at other options. I'm, I'm open to looking at some other avenues that we can go. So it looks like Gimmelstab is losing support, and rightfully so. Rightfully so. I mean, you know, a person's entitled to make a living even if they uh, do stupid and illegal things. Um, but that doesn't mean that they... Uh, are entitled to a position, particularly when it's a position voted on by others and you're representing uh, an entity. So it looks like his career uh, there may be done. I haven't heard anything about his tennis channel prospects or anything else or coaching Isner, um, but uh, that remains to be seen. So that's a bummer to talk about, but uh, and I have no problem, zero problem, with waiting until the court case was was decided. I, I I wasn't calling for anybody's head prior to the actually adjudication. How about that word? Uh, prior to the adjudication of the case, I wasn't calling for anything because the bottom line is we don't know what we don't know. I don't know anything about the situation. I wasn't there. Um, and at the very least pleading no contest and uh, and then pleading down from a felony tells me enough now to where it's like, okay, fine. You had your due process. The due process uh, said, hey, you're a dum-dum. Suffer the consequences. So no problem whatsoever with that now at this point. Um, apparently he has also been um, – this might have been prior to the case, but Wimbledon said he's not getting a press. He won't be in the Royal Box anymore at Wimbledon. Uh, so I think across the span of the tennis scene, he's sort of uh, losing favor rapidly. And uh, quite frankly, as he should, if all the accounts that you see on Twitter, um, the victim statement and everything else, if all that's true, um, he should be extremely lucky that he's not in jail um, because I would have been furious if I was the victim um, and it happened as described uh, in his victim statement. And again, that's that the victim statement is, 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 uh, is, um, is just an opportunity for the victim to say, Hey, this is what happened. This is what he did, but it's not, I don't think it's a legally binding document or anything. I don't think they, you know, research it or, uh, have have people investigate so it's just um so take that with for what it's worth but nonetheless you would have to assume a good portion if not all of it is is uh accurate and uh if any part of it is it's accurate then that cat is an animal um and so he should be very lucky he's not in jail on to more important things Clay court season is rocking, rocking, and I do this every year with every season. So Australia hits; it brings you out of the winter time here, anyway, um, and you get to and you get to um, 
gaze upon the blistering heat down under. Uh, tennis is finally starting back, although they don't really have much of a break. But you get fired up because it's 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 uh, summertime right in your living room, even though it's January. Um, and then you get through that quote unquote hard court season, and then you play a couple of more hard courts and kick around. But then cl- the red clay comes, and I get fired up about that. Like that's the best season ever. Um, but I think I've got a reason why. I do like clay so much. Now, one reason I don't like it is, man, it's hard to see the ball. I don't know if I don't have a cool enough TV. I need it. I don't have a 4K, and I don't even know what that means. I don't know if the tennis channel is broadcasting 4K. I don't know how any of that works with DirecTV. I'm sure DirecTV has something, um, but I, 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 I what? I'm just going to stand in Target for like two hours and see if they can get tennis on one of their four 4K display TVs during clay season and see if it makes a difference. Because I, I have a hard time seeing the ball, and I don't think I'm alone. And it's not because I'm old or anything, because I'm not. Uh, my, eyes are, my eyes are okay. Um, but it's tough to see the ball, and that makes it even more frustrating because the points last so long. And so there's a lot of shots going back and forth, and you're like, where is the ball? How deep did he just hit it? Um, but what, But that ties into a little bit of, of why I think I'm drawn to Clay Court because Corey and I talk a lot about what we're ultimately looking for in a match. And I think it has to do with with both players – playing at their optimal level at the same time. Because then you actually get to see two people giving it their best, playing their best, and now who's going to win. And it's and it's and that is compelling. When Nadal's you know ripping angles and some of these next next gens are falling apart, that's not fun to watch. It's not fun to watch when they can't keep up. It's a little, it's unfulfilling, I guess, is an empty feeling. But I think what happens is on clay, because the ball uh, sits up a little more, the softer surface slows everything down. You have to play longer points, and you're you're getting to the ball earlier than you would on certainly grass, but even hard court, even a slower hard court, and so you're. You're in better position. You're set up better, and so you're hitting better shots, and you're able to hit them more and more and more in a row. And so I think that lends itself to seemingly, let me just say, a seemingly higher quality of tennis. But how could I tell? I can't see the ball. But you're watching the ball go back and forth, and guys are there, and girls for that matter. They're there in position, set up better and hit better shots, and they do that repeatedly and now we're playing tennis. Now we're playing tennis. Unforced errors are just suck the life out of you watching tennis. Uh, and so there's less of that on clay. Now, you'll get deeper into a point when people break down physically. Um, then you'll get unforced errors. But, you know, that to me, outside of not being able to see the ball on longer points, but that to me, that idea of hitting more shots in a row and not being able to get the ball past a person – 
that that adds a, a level um, of intrigue or drama to every point because they're so long and they have to hit so many more shots. And I mean, a prime display of that was I mean Dominic Team looked great. He's got a one hander, so. I have no idea on God's green earth why he's a cl- the, the 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 future of clay court tennis with a one hander, um, but hey, um, his weird slice too, weird slice. He's got a, he just he hits it as he swings as fast as he can on it. It really cuts under it. It's pretty pretty interesting. But um, so he beats not to give away a spoiler here, um, but he beats Nadal. Hopefully, nobody was surprised by that. Hopefully, nobody thought, oh, wow, team, he's finally arrived. No, because he's beaten a doll before. I think he beats him once a year. And it, le- it leads to, oh, I don't know, nothing. It leads to nothing. It leads to nothing for team. I mean, obviously, winning, beating the doll and getting to that next round and the points and whatever. But in terms of, the next gen's future or team's future it 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 is meant nothing thus far now he ended up winning the tournament so that's a a nice benefit he beat me medvedev um and really i don't know what happened i did i watched the first set and i have no problem i have no problem with a player sort of losing a little focus um, or a moment being a little too big at a crucial time in a set and losing a set 6-4. That, that's an expected... Across every sport, we see uh, athletes have those moments, whether it's an air ball on a free throw late, late, late in a game, you know, that's within a couple of points or tied. It happens. It happens. It's just magnified. It's magnified in an individual sport, and it's magnified in a sport that's so technique-heavy like ours. Because once those, once that nervous system starts getting haywire, you're, you're, the physiology changes, and now your fine motor skills go away in tennis with the heavy technique is a lot of fine motor skills and for a second set of 6-0 I mean Dominique team played well don't get me wrong but it, it, it exactly what I was talking about before um, we want two players to play their best as often and as for a long a period of time and as a match as they can even if it's a point or two, a break point or a game point that they, they fall away a little bit, we can understand that. But a set, to lose a set 6-0 at that level, oh, just leaves an empty feeling. Just leaves an empty feeling and doesn't give me much hope. I mean, that is one thing I can say about the big three, Federer, Nadal, Djokovic, is that they rarely go through stretches like that. I mean, now I'm saying that after I'm saying Nadal lost, but... Again, I don't know that he's 100% still. Um, he even said it after the last tournament. Um, so is losing is losing a little bit earlier a, a horrible thing? I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, um, 
it gives him a little bit of a break. It, it continues, you know, where he can test himself and and sort of uh, uh, slowly but surely inch his way back towards. I mean, maybe not ever a hundred percent, but um, at least a percentage at which he could win the French. Now he's not going to, of course, because I picked the Djokovic slam, of course, and that's going to happen. If not, I'm canceling the podcast. I don't know what else to do. But back to Dominic team. So he wins. Um, he beats Nadal and then finishes up the tournament by winning Barcelona. And, you know, it's a 500. It's a 500, which, uh, you know, is going to draw, a, you know, a good amount of the top players. Um, you know, but again, if... If the big three aren't all three in it, is it a, is it a tournament? It's like when a tree falls and nobody hears it. If if the big three aren't all in a tournament, is it a tournament? When the two say, seed was Zverev, and he lost his first match. So, oh, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Besides me, keep being right. I don't know what I'm going to do. But so anyway, so we'll see if. I would I'm waiting for really time is all I I can wait for to eventually prove my theory on weakest error wrong. Uh and that's because the big three are gonna just get too old. I mean it's getting ridiculous. It's getting ridiculous. Uh but we see age aged aged athletes in other sports. I mean Tom Brady, the bane of my existence as a Steelers fan. Uh you know, he's 117 and he's probably going to win a Super Bowl again, which makes me ill. Um, so these guys can can continue to do it. And, and listen, tennis players don't get tackled, I hope, <laughs> unless they're coached by Kimmel stuff. Ouch. Um, I probably shouldn't do that because he's still a professional athlete, former professional athlete, and I don't want him to fight me ever. So I'll, I'll maybe I'll be nice to him. I don't know, but he's still an animal. Um, so anyway, so team wins Barcelona, and we'll see once again if he can propel himself into the French as a real threat to win the French. Now he doesn't have to. In my mind, first of all, Djokovic slam done deal. So no matter what else happens, I'm picking that, and that's all right. That doesn't mean that team can't make significant gains for the rest of the clay court season and going to the French. So if he makes it to a semifinal and loses a quality match, that's the other thing is losing is not a problem. Lose quality matches, have a quality result, have a chance one time, one time have a quality result. And and then it won't mean the same thing that it, that it means when you just meekly bow out of a tournament because the big three, you can't handle it. One time. That's all I'm asking. So Barcelona goes by. Now, we had another tournament. And since I'm by myself, I guess we're just going to kind of wing it here because I don't know what I'm doing. But we'll just go talk about the women here. Um, so Kvitova became the first woman to repeat in 2019. So we've had different winners for every tournament in 2019 until now. Um, 
And again, I don't know how you would quantify that related to my theory about the men because I continue to say that on the women's side, it almost sounds like a ridiculous argument. I know it does, but I can feel it that it's right. But on the women's side, having that much parity, I guess, but it's parity with quality. And again, I go back to Serena as the benchmark. It's not... Now, if there were three Serena-level players on the women's side, maybe my argument would be the same as it is on the men's. I don't know. And, and I'm refer- I'm comparing it to the big three, I guess. But all of these players that are winning tournaments a year ago, two years ago, when Serena was competing, the results against each other and against her uh, were similar enough to where, okay, Serena's the greatest ever, playing at the highest level, and everyone now in her, this part of her era, is competing with her, not every match, obviously, but, so in other words, you can measure everybody against Serena, and they measure up pretty closely. She doesn't win every single match or every tournament, whereas the big three do. Now, I understand she's one person. There's a little more pressure on her than than having three of the big three. And then you throw in the big four, which we, if you're new to the podcast, the big three are, of course, the big three, which are Nadal, uh, Djokovic, and Feder in no particular order, so don't at me. Um, and then we have the big four. I call them the big four, which is the next group down from the big three. And what that is is that fourth person, right past the big three is a combination of all these humans. And that's basically any of the few people that have the four or five people that have won a grand slam in this weakest era. So Delpo, Chilich, Orinka, et cetera, uh, Murray. So in injuries, notwithstanding who knows who, you know, I mean, I think if in injuries, notwithstanding Delpo might be the king of the big four. Um, would he get into the big three class? I don't know. Anyway, what am I I'm getting off topic? Oh, doing this is hard by yourself. I sound, I probably sound like a moron. So the measuring stick with Serena, she's the constant, and everybody playing against her measures up. So then when she's gone, if they're all beating each other, you can rest assured that, okay, they're all at a similar level, and there's a lot of parity, but parity in a good way. So on the men's side, it to me, the level looks worse outside the big three and the big four, maybe. Mainly the next gen is what I'm getting at. To have the number three player in the world lose his first match in a 500 tournament, and this is not a rare occurrence, losing early for Zverev. So anyway, back to team. So if he can, you know, parlay that, that's fine. But on the women's side, I think the work has been done uh, proving everyone in that top 20 is at a level, it's at a level of parity. So everybody's, everybody's legitimized, I think, uh, whether Serena's actually competing at this time or not, because they've all competed against her, so... Uh, so anyway, so Kvitova wins uh, three and six, and Stuttgart 
And uh, and so the first player to repeat, which again, to me, I know it sounds weird because if the men did that, I'd just be yelling about it. I'd be making fun of them for it. But I'm telling you, I'm not sexist. I don't hate men, I swear. Um, all right, so we've got uh, a couple smaller tournaments coming up now, so it won't really be... There won't won't really be any big big draws. So we've got um, Estoril, which is a two fifty. And so you've got Sita Pass and you've got Fonini um, are the one and the two seeds. Monfils is in there is the three. Uh, so it'll be a fun tournament. Don't get me wrong, a fun tournament. But um, again, everybody's sort of jockeying and 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 setting themselves up uh, to get ready for the French. So we have Estrel, we have Munich. And so Munich is also a 250. And we've got the one seed is Zverev. I just don't understand how he's three in the world still. I don't get it. Zverev's one and uh, Hatchinoff is the two seed. Uh, Chechenato and Batista Agu are the three and the four. So again, a little less star power. Uh, but still, I mean, a fun tournament, a fun tournament. Benoit pairs at that one, um, so he's always compelling to watch. Um, you know, he's the French Fanini, apparently. Um, so you have those less than exciting tournaments, but still tournaments nonetheless, I guess. They are tournaments. Um, on the women's side, what do we have? We've got We've got Prague. And so the one seed for that is Pliskova, and Sevastova is the two. So again, a smaller tournament, red clay still, of course. Um, and then we've got Rabat, which is Elise Mertens, the wild card. How about that? Wild card one seed. That's always fun. And and then uh, Suwei Shea is the two. Uh, she's always fun to watch. So a couple of smaller tournaments. The star power isn't out, but uh, but again, everybody's sort of picking and choosing their spots, and getting ready for the French. So which again, clay court. When we're in the clay court season, it's my favorite. <laughs> I know I'm wishy washy, um, but that's what I'm going with. All right, we're gonna switch it up a little bit and talk about. Another bit of tennis. I'm always thinking, you know, how can we, how can we get tennis in America? Because that's what this podcast is about. How can we get tennis in America a little more high profile? Well, I have a harebrained scheme, and I wish Corey was here. Um, so he's not, but he's a little ill. Get well, buddy. But uh, hopefully, he doesn't listen. This will probably make him even more ill. But uh, but I have an idea. I want to run by you. And see what you think, and uh, and make fun of it if you have to. But I just, I would just love to see America, some aspects of American tennis, uh, really take off. And uh, and this new idea it may or may not help. I don't know. I am a genius, but I could be wrong. So we'll do that when we come back. <laughs> It's time 
to join the revolution. Go to our website, tennisrevolutionpodcast.com. To get the latest episodes, email us your questions and comments, or give us show ideas. I don't know. I don't know if you figured out what I was talking about in that last bit of rambling before the break, but uh, I was thinking about something because um, we we sit here and you, we wait for the grand slams. That's the main, you know, stage at the show. The four grand slams. There's some other big tournaments, some thousands and some five hundreds, and then whatever the women's equivalents of those are, however they whatever they call them, and those are fine and that's fun. But with no Americans. With no Americans in it, what are our options? Well, one great option I've always talked about is college tennis. And right now, we're getting in the thick of it. We're in conference tournaments right now. Uh, are getting ready for conference tournaments. And then a week or two after that, NCAAs. So everyone knows March Madness. Tennis has the exact same thing. College tennis has a March Madness, which I like to call May Madness. I don't know. It really never caught on, but I like it. May Madness. So the same same process. You you play the regular season. Uh, you have a, a conference tournament. So you have conference winners that automatically get in. You have at-large teams that automatically get in. They get into this big old 64 draw. They play in regional rounds all over the country until they get to the final site, a la the Final Four, although for different levels to so division one two and three for those different divisions it's, it's different numbers but the final eight go to a site and they play the final eight down to the national champion we also have individual singles and doubles champions as well at least for divisions one and three and those may not be as publicized although the tennis channel has been doing a great job as of late but if you're near a conference championship tournament, go. I mean, I'm sure they have some admission process by the time you get to the conference championship level, but maybe not. They might not because a lot of re- most regular season, I don't know of any regular season matches that charge for you to go uh, as a spectator. But uh, again, I can't clarify that. So if you show up and it's two bucks, don't be mad at me. Um, but there's enough conferences within enough areas and in, in of population all over the country that you could probably reasonably get most people in the country could reasonably get to a conference championship tournament um a couple hours drive at worst get on the websites and check them out and just go show up i mean it's uh it's a high level of tennis it's a high level and it's a different type of tennis it's not you know, clap, golf clap, you know, tennis clap just on winners and all that kind of stuff. It's a little wild. It's a little more Cameron crazy, you know, Duke basketball style. Um, you have six courts going on once single starts, and you may have four out of the six courts in the middle of points, but one or two of them just finished, and the crowd's making a bunch of noise, and, and guys are, and girls are, are playing matches while all this mayhem is going on. So it's definitely a different atmosphere than what you're used to either watching on TV or or really even playing yourself. Come on now, you know in your league matches, you hear one person 
crunch a cracker while you're about to serve and you stare them down, you've done it. It's not like that. College tennis is not like that. It's a little more rowdy, a little more free, a little more raucous, and it's a lot of fun. So that's, that is one area which I cannot stress enough. I cannot stress enough um, that really we need as Americans to support. It's, it's unique. No, they don't play college sports really that I know of anywhere, but college tennis anywhere else. And so we have that opportunity to um, see a high level of tennis. And again, not everybody's going pro, but guess what? The NFL draft was however long ago, a couple days ago, a week ago, and or no, it was this week, this weekend. And uh, that's like 1% of all the college kids that play football. It's a small percentage. So it's not a lot different than what goes on with the ATP and WTA tours. Now, the difference is, is the day you get drafted, you sign a giant contract. You're not having to work for food anymore, where you know tennis players certainly do. But nonetheless, that that that, that thing that people talk about, how you know tennis is not college tennis is not the pathway to the pros. You know what? College football isn't the pathway to the pros for 99 percent of the football players either. Um, but we still lose our minds over college football in this country, and we should be tennis fans should be as rabid about college tennis as football fans are about college football. Um, I think the level is a high quality enough, particular, and, and you know what? Actually, I was going to say particularly at the big schools, but that's even that's even not the case. I mean, you've got players getting drafted in the NFL that go to these mid-major schools, even small schools, schools nobody's ever heard of, sometimes Division II schools. Well, in tennis, it's the same kind of thing. You may have the the Texases, the Ohio States, the TCUs that have top to bottom, they're you know, top 10 type team, and so they're going to have great players top to bottom. But you've got, you've got other schools, smaller schools, that may have one stud player, guy or girl, playing at one they may not have the depth but it's still a pretty high level of tennis everywhere and then that number one is pretty solid and and still you'll be at ama- amazed at the level of tennis so um that's always one thing this podcast has pushed and and, and really encouraged people to go take part in that and it may be a little intimidating you know you, you go into a college campus and you don't have any clue where the courts are. You can see the football stadium, but you don't know where the tennis courts are. They're buried somewhere in the middle of campus. Not a lot of fans at a lot of schools, so you might be one of the few. I know. It's a little awkward. But even email the coach. Email the assistant coach uh, and say, hey, you know, I'm a local you know, supporter of your school, and I'm a tennis fan. You know, Do you have spectators at your, at your matches? And hopefully the coach or assistant coach has the wherewithal to to guide you to the best possible way to come support the team and uh, be a part of part of the matches as a spectator. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know how to keep scoring tennis. That's always a big barrier for people watching tennis. But in college tennis, there's the team score as well. So you have to kind of familiar, familiarize yourself with that. Uh, but the bottom line is it's a tennis match that you're going to see live and you don't get to see that a lot. And so it really is a lot of fun. So I would encourage you to take that step. And if you do take that step, 
let us know. Um, take a picture, tweet a picture, and at, you know, whatever. I don't know what you call it. When you, if you were to tweet out a picture and then put at us at it, or do you hashtag it? I don't know. Listen, you know better than me. Go do whatever social media people do, but make sure we're in it so I can see it because I want to see proof that you guys are out there uh, supporting college tennis. And not just because the, it would help tremendously, the programs, of course, and, and to be honest with you, help keep some of them around. Uh, but also, I think I think it would definitely give you another level of depth in terms of your tennis fandom. Uh, and hey, you might pick up a tip or two um, watching tennis live. So um, anyway, but that's not my great idea. That's not my great idea at all. My great idea has to do with, sort of, with world team tennis. And we've talked about this before on the podcast, but there's a fair amount of the season or the country that the tennis season extends well into and I mean our personal recreational player season stretches well within into the fall, into November. Most of the South, Florida certainly all year round, the Southwest, California, you can play forever, you know, because it's paradise. Um, and even even further north, mid-Atlantic, November is is good weather for a while. Now, I don't know anything about the Midwest. The Northeast is probably covered in snow by early November. But why November? What am I yapping about? Well, November is sort of an off-season-ish period of time. They've got a bunch of cups and whatever else is going on at the pro level. But for a lot of players, it's sort of the beginning uh, or part of the off-season. And so, again, I, I, I say this every a lot. I, we need a, I need a billionaire. I just need a billionaire to jump on board with the tennis revolution and just basically pay for some of my ideas because I know their work. But we need to basically have a team competition. We need to have a team competition. So we could have, oh, I don't know, between California stretching along the southwest all the way to over to the mid-Atlantic and maybe further north, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what your weather looks like in November. I'm not. I don't watch the Weather Channel as much as I should. But if we had a team competition, a professional team competition, the format can be debated. The format can be debated. I. The college format is way too big. Three doubles matches, six singles matches. It's way too big because you need to get done in an evening. So. Friday evening, Saturday evening, whatever. You need to get everything done in a reasonable amount of time. You can't have these five-day cricket match situations. And I don't even know how cricket works, but I hear they play for a week. Um, So you would have a situation where maybe it would be one singles, one doubles, and then another single. So so a one singles and a two singles, basically. And order of ability doesn't matter. You can put whoever, wherever. And then a doubles match. And now you could even do, potentially, just do a set. Now, one of the things that drives me insane about world team tennis 
And if you're a huge World Team Tennis fan, I apologize ahead of time. But then again, if everybody was a huge fan, we wouldn't drop teams every year. But one of the big things is how gimmicky it got. Multicolored courts, the let in doubles, the ball can hit the net. I, correct. Somebody's calling. I you at one point it was if I served and the ball hit the net before it lands. The returner, not the returner, the returner's partner can come across and hit it out of the air. And that's a live ball. Now, that doesn't make sense to me. Before it hits the ground. Now, that, now if I just saw that one time and they don't do it anymore, please let me know. Correct me. But that seems just a little gimmicky. And it takes away from the seriousness of... Because, again, what is it... What, I can watch exhibitions all all you want. Harlem Globetrotters are highly talented human beings. But I don't go there for the level of competition. I go there for the circus atmosphere. I don't want a tennis competition to to have the main draw to be a circus atmosphere. The tennis should the tennis and the competition within that sport should be the draw. So if you had a Maybe even two-person teams. So you just have two players, and they have to play one single set each and one double set. So you're playing three sets, but they're legit sets because I think World Team Tennis is no ad. Worst thing ever to have in tennis in the history of ever. And they go to they go to five or something, and there's overtime and all this other ridiculousness. No. You play a one set at uh, one singles, then – you pair with your other teammate to play doubles, and then that other teammate plays singles. And whatever, I don't even know what order. Maybe that order exactly. Maybe that order exactly. And two out of three sets wins. And you have professional tennis players, and you pay them per match because guess what? They're starving. And you can't tell me that if you had an opportunity to hit with a top 200 player in the world men or women, you wouldn't jump at the chance. I would, are you crazy? That'd be awesome. And so if you could go watch three players that are in the top 200 in the world playing a total of three sets, one of which is doubles, because for the life of me, I can't understand why no one cares about doubles when 90% of the recreational players, the fans of tennis, play doubles exclusively uh, I don't know, but nonetheless, doubles would be an important, you know, and again, format could change. I, the, the, the format I just mentioned though, I think it's, it's clean and it's quick and it's and it sort of mirrors that two out of three set, you know, uh, format that we have in tennis. So it kind of goes along and, and you're playing one set as a player. I get it. That's not the same, but at this, like I said, we can't. You can't be expected to have a, a, a five-hour tennis match between two professional teams. I think it'd be ridiculous. Um, but you could play three – and you play the third one out too for tie-breaking purposes or whatever in the league. But if you had, if you had a 10-team league, that's 20 players. And anybody 
who saw, like I've, I've said this before on the pod, anybody that, that, that went to a court, didn't know the, the player. I mean, I'm trying to think of who is in the top 15 on the men's side that maybe, maybe 15 is too low. How about top 20 that if you saw him, you'd be like, who is that? I'm not sure. They look familiar. Um, I don't know. Top 20 might be pushing it. Maybe top 30, top 50. I mean, if you saw, let's see, if you saw Cameron Norrie, how about that? He's 46 in the world right now. Cameron Norrie, TCU graduate, by the way. And Great Britain. He's a Brit. So if you saw him from eh, two courts away, maybe two, maybe three courts away. No, we'll go two. We'll go two courts away. And he was hitting with, how about, trying to see who would be similar, hitting with somebody who maybe is Gusta, no, too far, 400 in the world. How about that? Blake Ellis, an Australian. I don't know. I had to make them both white. I'm sorry, because obviously you could tell them apart if they weren't both white. So I'm trying to, your average everyday looking white person from a Commonwealth country. Um, If you saw them hitting with each other from two courts away, you wouldn't know who was who, is what my point. You wouldn't be able to tell them apart based on ability level. So what I'm saying is, if you're 250 in the world, guess what you need? You need money. You need money in your pocket for playing tennis to really help you um, make it, you know, on the tour, which is a crying shame, but nonetheless, it's true. And so you could pull guys and girls. Again, this is guys or girls, but I'm talking about a men's league right now. But you could pull two guys off the off the whatever tour they're playing, being 250 in the world, and get them to your Miami. You could have a team. You could have a team in Atlanta. Again, all good weather cities, and even up north, indoor. You get with with the format. Boom, one court, in and out, and build from there. I, now, I again, college tennis. There are some programs that have a huge amount of support, but I think the coaches work their tails off and the schools work their tails off to get those people out, which is too bad, but whatever. But with this scenario, you're getting to see players who could qualify for the Grand Slam tournaments without question they could or end up with wild cards uh, competing in a team format. And look, MLS soccer wasn't the most popular sport in the world back in whenever MLS started. And it's grown and it's it's pretty high profile now. And it's not and the reason I use soccer is it's not an American sport so to speak. It definitely has had to uh to battle and they've had teams come and go and all the rest of it. Um and so the first season was, it was founded in 93. This is the Major League Soccer. Founded in 93. The first season was 96. So they, they've got 24 teams. So 
we're playing the same game I'm talking about here, still playing tennis. It's just not the same format. And so it's not a tournament format, which is which is boring. And it has, I mean, the tennis isn't boring. A tournament is boring. Uh, there's no beginning and end to the tennis season, really. Some players are in some tournaments. They're out of other tournaments. There's no congruity. How about that word? That's two words I used. forgot what the first one was. In a, in a tennis season. I mean, they all culminate at the, at the majors, of course, but they're not, it, the season's not connected. And so if we could have a scenario in which we could connect a season with professional tennis in the U.S., I think that would be awesome. I think that would, I, I think within those cities, because I'll tell you this, there are some cities that World Team Tennis seems to have a decent following. So it can be done. And that's a goofy situation. World Team Tennis is goofy. This would be serious. It would be legit. And it would be for cash money. And, you know, the team would, you know, I don't know. I don't know how we do it. Maybe maybe the relegation situations on soccer in European soccer, I, I, I guess most leagues in the world, you have, let's just say, 20 teams, for instance. So the English Premier League. And if you finish in the bottom three, you get dropped down to the next level below. Why couldn't we do that? I mean, because you're only talking about two players and you could have multiple, multiple teams in a town, in a city, and they go up and down. I don't know. I don't know. I just, I just see, I just see how in Nashville, they had the NFL draft and there were more people standing in the street to watch a dumb draft. And I say that with all due respect, because I watched that dumb draft myself, followed it on the, the second and third rounds on the phone. Not good, but I did it. I have to admit it. I'm a Steelers fan. And, and so whatever, I'm not going to rehash our great pick at 10 and we traded up to get it, but it doesn't matter. The point being is, is, they're standing out in the streets, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people standing in the street just to watch a dumb draft. There's no competition even being had at that point. The season's been over. The next one doesn't start for quite a while. But they're out there uh, watching college players get drafted for their for their teams. So you mean to tell me we couldn't get 300 people at a match? in a major city with a league format because now it becomes not an exhibition. It's like, oh, I'm not going to go to that. Nope. We have a team situation now. It matters. It means something. Get behind the team that your city, you know, represents your city, that kind of thing. I don't know. By all means, get on Twitter. Tell me this is the dumbest idea if you've ever heard or call in if you're a billionaire and you want to get on board. I mean, I guess you could do it without me, but why would you? Come on now. Um, but yeah, give me your thoughts via Twitter, whatever. Um, because I, you know, I just think that would excite American tennis, um, not American tennis as in American players, but excite fans in America of tennis, if that makes sense. So, um, anyway. Well, at this point, typically, I see if uh, ask Corey if he's got a corner or if he's got anything else. He usually says no, um, but again, he's under the weather, so uh, 
Feel free to tweet out Get Well, even though he doesn't have Twitter. I'll just screenshot them all and text him to him so he gets 150 texts in a row um, while he's trying to sleep, and it wakes him up, and he feels even worse. But, hey, we're here for him. Um, well, I guess that's about it. I hope this wasn't too miserable. This is not easy talking to myself. I feel like nobody's in this studio. Nobody. I'm looking at four empty mics, and I feel like an idiot talking to myself. I feel like I'm an idiot. So hopefully I didn't sound like an idiot. Hopefully you enjoyed it. Um, and, oh, boy, I'll be going by the drugstore to get Corey some med- Whatever he needs, I'm going to help him out because uh, this ain't no fun. But uh, anyway, again, Twitter. Get on Twitter at Tennis Rev Pod. Follow us for the love of Pete. Don't just like my tweets for all things holy. Just follow us. And then the only reason I care that you follow is, well, number one, so you hear my brilliance when I'm roasting Prince Tennis, because that is, I really enjoy that quite a lot. Um, But the other reason is you'll get quick little hits, hey, the new app's up or whatever, um, and you can also communicate with us, although it's unreliable at best because I have no idea. I just see the little red number, the circle with a number in it, and I follow that until I find it. But if you were to ask me, oh, you remember that message I sent you and I was to try to go find it, it'd be a while. It'd be a while. I'd be downloading things and deleting apps. It just is a problem. But by all means, communicate with us. Uh, Give us your thoughts on the show. Give us thoughts on um, topic ideas, et cetera. Obviously, we'll talk about pro tennis, but there's so much more to this game than just the tournaments going on, uh, which I tried to cover here in the second half of today's episode. Um, all right, Instagram. I still haven't made a decision on Instagram, so if you just uh, if you haven't been with us before or you haven't been with us long enough to for, uh, for us to talk about this, Instagram. The only reason we have Instagram followers is so we never send a picture out. We, we've committed to you to never send a picture out. However... Somebody mentioned as a way to promote that we like put little 15 second audio clips on Instagram and then share them. So it would not be a picture because mainly my thing with Instagram is I got I got a bottle of water and some crackers right here. Do you want a picture of this meal? Is that what you want? You want me to Instagram what I'm eating? No, of course not. Of course you don't. It's ridiculous. So that's why I never wanted to send anything out on Instagram. That was a pledge I had to you. However, it's not a picture. I'm talking about audio with just like a still image or whatever. I don't believe me. I won't do it. Um, but just a quick way to promote the show, a little clip that, you know, is funny or entertaining or thought provoking. If we can find one of those in our archives, and then easily shareable and all that kind of stuff. So I don't know. If you have thoughts on this, blow us up on Instagram. How I don't even, again, I don't even begin to know how Instagram. I just look at how many followers we have. We're up to 115, by the way. Uh, zero pictures sent out. You're welcome. Uh, but yeah, DM us. I think that's a thing. If my DMs aren't open, then go to Twitter and tell me my DMs aren't open. And I don't even know how to do that. And I don't really, it seems to be most people, it's something somewhat sexual. It's not. I don't want anybody, uh, you know. But uh, so if 
my DMs are open in the most innocent possible way. How about that? So if they're not, tweet me and tell me they're not. And then also feel free to give directions on how to open them. So because that's not breaking our rule. If you send me a message and then I reply to it or whatever, then that's not breaking my no picture rule. And we're still in negotiations for sending out clips on Instagram. Not sure. Not sure yet. We haven't come to a decision. Um, the website, I don't even know what the website, I can't remember what the name of the website is. Who cares? Nobody uses it. It's it's 2019. Nobody cares about the internet anymore. Uh, YouTube. We're on YouTube. I don't know why. Some guy yelled at me months ago and months ago about I should get on YouTube because I'm a loser if I'm not. It's 2019 or 2018. So we have our eps on YouTube. Nobody listens to them on YouTube. That was a complete failure. Uh, but I still put them up because it's another it's another option. Um, but we're on Spotify. I don't know how that happened, but we're on Spotify. Honestly, I have no earthly idea how that happened. Um, but go there. Uh, and we're on uh, various other things. Of course, the iTunes uh, app. So spread. And I don't know why I'm telling you. You're listening. You found it. So you did it. If you're like me and you found it by accident, I guess maybe I'm telling you so you can you can you know figure it out for the next time. But but most importantly, subscribe, download of course, but share it, share it, share it. Every single week, every single week, we grow. It's just we grow so slow because we're so awful at promoting. I am Corey's really awful because he doesn't have Twitter, so I don't know what he's doing. I think he just drives down the street with his window open in his car and the podcast playing all the way up. No, he does, there's no chance he does it. He doesn't listen to the podcast. There's no chance. But my point is he's awful at promoting as well. So we definitely need your help. If you're a fan of the show, uh, spread it around like Ebola. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it for this week. Uh, Corey. Corey, get well, buddy. We need you. I never really realized how much I needed you. Um, And this is tough. So I applaud you for your past efforts by yourself. And now I have done it again. And I hope it was okay. So, all right. Well, thanks for joining us. And until next time, thanks for joining the revolution. Corey. Corey.